When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome, kids, to the second hour of the Colleen and Bradley show here on My Talk 1071. Streaming live and doing everything entertainment live on MyTalk1071.com. What's a .com? I don't know because I'm in the past. What? I'm Bradley Trainer. That's Holly Roberts along with Brian. Today you are listening to the second hour of the Colleen and Bradley show in that weird voice was because we are now going to talk about something Holly and I both love, and that's old Hollywood, and I imagine many of you do as well. Holly, you have a question for the audience to weigh in on today. What is that question? Or should I say, darling, what is that question? Thank you for asking, Bradley. The question is very simple. What's your favorite comfort old Hollywood movie? 651-641-1071. Now, the caveat... Calling old Hollywood, and I feel like even this is a little generous, has to be pre-1980. Oh, that is pretty generous. It is, but, I mean, yeah. It's, uh, look, it, it, 80, 1980 is 40 years ago. Yeah. Mm. Oh, my God. Yikes. Okay. So 651-641-1071. Look, you might have been sitting on your couch all week. Maybe you've binged. Whatever. Oh, yes, Bradley. That, okay. You're having, saying, You're keep, having a moment. I'm having a moment, but I want you to keep talking. Oh, I just want people to call in 651-641-1071. What is your favorite comfort old Hollywood movie? Tis the season to go back and watch some of your old familiar favorites. So what are you couch melting to? That is from the world of old Hollywood. I love this. Thank you. 651-641-1071. Join the conversation. I just had this moment where I was like, you know, uh, as a child of the 80s, I mean, I was born in the 1970s, but by by the time I was like, you know, aware of the world around me, it was mostly the 80s. and I just had this moment where I was like, 40 years prior to that was the 1940s. And so, like, so the 40s, to sort of give myself a perspective about how far back the 1980s is, it's as if we're in the 80s and it's the, we're talking about the 40s. Yes. And I don't know, that just like, that was a mind bleep that I wasn't prepared for. And also, it's just crazy to me that the 80s is like the 1940s. Getting weird. But here's an, <laughs> but here's an exercise that you can do, Bradley, to put it in perspective. Because had that thought a couple of years ago, while watching a movie that's beloved from the 1980s, that movie being Ghostbusters. Oh, yeah. Watch something from the 80s. And then ask yourself how it feels. Because that distance seems extremely oh, far now. I'll tell you how it feels because I did this with a movie called Ruthless People. I just watched that movie. Did you? Oh my, god. oh my god. Oh my god. I love I Brian, have you ever seen like like how many 80s movies have you watched in your life? I'd say we should tell a the fair audience. amount, a fair amount. Oh good. Okay, yeah. good. So we should tell the audience that Brian is on the younger end of the spectrum in this particular room. So you were not born in the 80s, correct? Nope, the 90s. Oh god, that's weird. 
Anyway, um, <laughs> but as someone who lived through the 1980s and watched a fair amount of film at the time, um, when you go back 40 years later, you are struck by the absence of technology. And I don't know, you know, having come upon those movies cold, meaning like you grew up in a world where there was always technology for the most part. Like, yeah, I mean, we've all had technology, but like computers, Internet, all that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. It was like the surge pretty much. Like. But like the 1980s, to your point, Holly, you watch a film from then. I was just struck by the amount of paper, the amount like if you ever see an office scene or like a workplace. Yeah. There's so much paper briefcases and just lots of files. Yeah. Everybody's constantly looking for files. And a lot of plot points hinge on the access of a character to a telephone. Yeah. And if they're out and about, they're making calls from a pay phone. Six five one six four one one zero seven one. So uh, even though prior to 1980 would be ideal, we'll allow it. Brenda's yeah. on the line. Hey, Brenda, what's your comfort old Hollywood movie? Brenda's not here anymore. Oh, Brenda went oh, bye no. bye. Oh, She's Brenda too busy bye-bye. watching her movies. Do you know what it was, Brian? She said White Christmas with Bing mm. Crosby. Yeah. That's a great one for this time of year. I love White Christmas. Yeah, good Rosemary Clooney. Yeah. Bing Crosby. Bing Crosby. Is Danny Kay? Yeah, it is Danny Kaye. Uh-huh. Yeah, and uh, Rosemary Clooney. Yeah, you said, would you say that? Yeah, it's, but who's the other one? Ellen, Vera, Vera, Vera Ellen. Vera Ellen. Oh, she could dance for days. She could dance for days, and they would all sing "Snow, oh. Snow, Snow." Mm-hmm. I don't know the rest of the song. Anyway, uh, White Christmas is a great one. What's yours, Holly? Uh, this time of year, I don't know why it's the holiday season. I love rewatching Godfather Part One and Part Two. That's interesting. Do you know I've never seen either of those films? Oh, they're so good, Bradley. It is mafia melodrama. Okay. They're, they are wonderful, but here's the thing about Godfather Part 1 and Part 2. Part 3, doesn't matter if you watch it. But you need to watch the first Godfather because that is merely the warm-up for the payoff of Godfather Part 2. Okay. So you have to commit. I do I do want to watch. I do want to watch I, these films. Yeah, I think they're streaming on Paramount Plus right now if you well, have that's that. that's good to know. We yeah. do. We do. Mm-hmm. Steve is on the line. Let's go to Steve and find out what his favorite uh, old... Hollywood film is Steve. Uh, what's your favorite comfort old Hollywood movie? I like some like it hot. A great one. Tell us why you love that movie so much. It's just a lot of fun and uh, makes me want to go down to uh, Southern California. Right. Or uh, yeah. yeah. Southern California. And then didn't they end up in Miami? Like, don't they end up going to Miami at some point? No. Why? What am I thinking of? Miami Vice. Yeah, totally different. But Steve, thank you. (laughs) Thank you, Steve. Yeah, Jack Lemmon. Jack Lemmon. Marilyn Monroe. Tony Curtis. Tony Curtis, who I just love and adore. Yeah. Yeah. Tony Curtis was an amazing human. Very much so. Yeah. I don't know what he was really like, but at least insofar as I intersected him, he always seemed in interviews like he was just one of those people in Hollywood who was kind of like. There was a lot of weird stuff going on, and I was just doing my thing. Yeah, and Jack Lemon, Jack Lemon, truly a treasure. If you have yeah. an opportunity, go back and amazing sit with an amazing actor. He just brings a layered nuance to the all apartment. of his performances. Yes, which is another Billy Wilder movie. Yeah. Oh, love it so much. Isn't that Shirley MacLaine? Yes. Yeah. Oh God, great movie. Julie's on the line. Let's find out uh, Julie's favorite comfort old Hollywood movie. Hey, Julie. Hey, how's it going? Good. Good. Um, because of the generous guidelines, I'm going to have to say Sound of Music because I watch that constantly. Mm. Uh, but also North by Northwest for a truly old classic movie. That's such a great one, too. You can just watch that movie over and over and over again. Yeah. I love it, Julie. Thank you so much. 
Thank you. Do you have a particular Hitchcock favorite, Holly? Uh, You know, I think North by Northwest. You know, the thing that Julie was mentioning about both those movies and what we're missing in a lot of modern movies is the excitement right off the bat. Both those movies put you in the mood. North by Northwest has the great music, the opening scene, sound of music, Julie Andrews twirling on a mountaintop. Oh, hills are alive. Yeah. Sip your coffee. Um, Brian, (laughs) do you have a favorite old Hollywood comfort film? Uh, The first one that comes to mind is probably Animal House. Oh, okay. 1970-something? 70-something, so just beats the criteria. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, late 70s. Also saw a young Tim Matheson in a movie just the other day. Yours, mine, and ours. I don't know that. Featuring Lucille Ball and Henry Fonda. Is that a, a story of them getting divorced? No. It's a story... Of two families combining oh. to make a family of like 20 kids. Oh, I yeah. do know the newer version of that with uh, Dennis Quaid and Renee. Uh, Renee Russo. Yeah, that's right. It was remade because, hey, everything gets a reboot. Everything old is new again. Yay. Yeah, that's a great one. Yeah. I just wanted to, um, I, Some Like It Hot is actually a great, you know, comfort film because it's just, it's full of, you know, just slapstick comedy and drag. I mean, what what else do you need? There's also a wonderful film from 1939 called The Women. And if you've never seen it, it is just full of great one-liners, great 1930s fashion. And it's one of those movies that reminds you that no, nothing is nothing changes. We are still the same people we were in the 1930s. Look, stuff does change. I get it. But the point is, like, you just realize that people are as terrible or were as terrible then as they are now. And is full of uh, drama and, um, you know, cattiness. Pet- pettiness. Pettiness. Yeah, the shoulder pad size may change. Yeah. But the pettiness always remains. Exactly. <laughs> uh, we could go on and probably talk for the rest of the hour about old movies. But we're not. We probably shouldn't. No. Oh, okay, no. fine. Yeah. Do you want to do something else? Yeah, we're going to go in the complete other direction and talk about the metaverse. Whoa. Dude. You're going to blow our minds, I think, with a story about Paris Hilton in the metaverse. Yeah, Paris Hilton fashion. I mean, this is where we're going, folks. Get ready. I would rather go to 1939 and be with Rosalind Russell. Thank you. We'll be right back here on My Talk 1071. Holly Roberts would like to take the floor and sound like an old fart. Seems appropriate for the last day of 2021. I can't think a of a better way to spend the segment. <laughs> can you sonically I, enhance my position? Uh, you know, if for you go s- to the main page, you can. For some reason, I still don't have my powers. Oh, well, Brian has Lord. a power. Yeah, which one? I don't know. You know, uh-huh. one of them. Yeah, here we go. Oh, this one. Oh. <laughs> oh. So he picks the big one. <laughs> Just let it go. By 2021. <laughs> That's what I think of you, mostly. <laughs> Except for the other fun we had. Not done yet. Just that little bit at the end there. <laughs> it's a squeaker at the end. So, Holly, why do you want to sound like an old fart? Uh, because I don't know what to do with the metaverse. I don't okay, know what I don't even what know what that do. is. I'm so old. What is the metaverse again? Uh, this is the thing. Well, it's basically being on the internet, but we're calling it the metaverse. Yeah, but we can't just call it the internet anymore. Oh, so it's dubbed. The metaverse. Like. Yeah. yeah. Oh. So this is a thing that maybe came to the forefront of conversations. Remember uh, a couple months ago, 
Mark Zuckerberg mm-hmm. changed the name of Facebook to Meta. Hey guys, I know you're really not happy with this. What? We're just going to like change our name because then it's different. Yeah, nobody's going to pay attention and, to all the things that we've been doing, you know, over here. But to, but to your point, actually, the Metaverse is something they've been working on for a very long time. And it's it's supposed to be like the next incarnation of the Internet. Yes. Right? Yes. I don't know. I just don't know, Bradley. And Mark Zuckerberg is trying to push this onto us. He's trying to elevate Facebook into the metaverse. My understanding of the metaverse, and again, I'm going to sound like an old fart, is basically like we're going to be playing The Sims forever. We yeah, are so going to be playing The Sims forever. We're going to be wearing that Oculus Rift headdress, or not a headdress, head, <laughs> what is that thing called? A head? Goggles? VR goggles? Yeah, headset yep. is the word I was looking for. The headset, uh, and we're just going to be knocking into furniture because we're like, life is so much more fun in the metaverse. <laughs> As we fall down the stairs. <laughs> the real world is so terrible. I have to put goggles on and pretend I'm not here. Everything that seems is like fine. it's going to end well. Great. Great. Well, can't wait till those people get in a car and start driving. It's going to be wonderful. <laughs> is sorry. it? I don't know. Well, I just I... shook my fist on my lawn. Okay. We all sound old and grumpy. That's great. Great. Well, but what does Paris Hilton have to do with this? Because she's trying to cash in on the metaverse. She wants to make her own metaverse. This is what Paris Hilton is doing. She's created an island in the online virtual world dubbed Paris World, where visitors can explore digital replicas of her Beverly Hills estate and its dog mansion. You can walk on a boardwalk inspired by the neon carnival wedding celebration that she and her husband Carter Rim hosted earlier this year in Santa Monica. Or you can go (sighs) to the island, Bradley, in a luxury sports car or a yacht. So this is what makes me sad about what we do with technology. Like, we have all this technology. You could literally be like, hey, Brian, do you want to go see the pyramids? Do you want to go explore the Grand Canyon? Hey, Holly, would you love to take a hot air balloon over, you know, the French countryside? I'm ready. All of these things would be great if we could do them in the metaverse. But instead, it's going to be like, hey, do you guys want to go see Joey Lawrence's backyard in the metaverse? It's great. He's been working working on his fitness and he's going to try to play Batman again this year. For $4.95, you can get into uh, Paris Hilton's backyard where she has a dog mansion that costs more in the real world than your entire salary for your entire life for the rest of all time. (laughs) This does not sound fun, Holly. No, because but we'll probably all do it. Well, like other hangouts, Bradley. <laughs> when I'm can glad we do I, this? By the way, is this I'm, like headed um, to uh, a headset near us soon? Yeah, actually, it is, and I don't have an exact launch date for this. But I'm glad, Bradley, that you brought up the point that you have to pay for the privilege of hanging out in Paris World in the metaverse. And in this, you can buy virtual clothing, or you can book a ride on a jet ski for a nominal fee. Again, let's. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. 
Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Not let technology free us from all the ridiculousness that we have foisted upon each other. Let's just encourage it even more. Yeah. Consumerism in a world that doesn't exist. Well, that's where. <sighs> Oh my God! Now we sound really bitter. I am we got old it. We got it. Come on, let's think of like. Here's something I can get behind. Okay, what about like the Channing Tatum Magic Mike show in the virtual world? We'd go. What about the Doctor Who TARDIS experience? We'd probably go. Brian, I don't know what your nerd area of expertise is. What do you love to do? Science fiction, sports, what? Yeah, sports. Uh, you know. Crime series, I guess. Okay, but, so for yeah. sports, like maybe your sports team will have like a metaverse place where you can go and like practice with your favorite sport. I don't know. I'm just well, saying. I have seen like uh, you can watch like courtside of like an NBA game oh, with uh, virtual okay. reality. And I'm like, that's cool. That would be cool. But I don't think I would spend money to go <laughs> to like a celebrity's backyard. You yeah. know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. 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 Well, there's a difference in what you're describing, Brian. You're saying that you would actually go into the metaverse, quote unquote, and you would pay some money to see something that's happening in real life mm, mm-hmm. and yeah. have it beamed in. But this yeah. is just a replica. Yeah, like of I'm Paris gonna go to, house. I'm gonna spend the weekend walking around Paris Hilton's house. Or you could go outside. <laughs> and enjoy yeah. the sun. That's you, real subversive. Yeah, yeah, you know, and you don't even have to pay for it. Yeah, it's free. Mm-hmm. All of this just reminds me that at some point we're gonna be like, wait a minute. Is this the real world we're in? Or am I wearing a headset? And you'll forget. And that's gonna be a creepy moment. And it's gonna be the Matrix. You know, another thing that's happening, too, it's Paris Hilton. So she's trying to get into the metaverse. And then there was this other article that I read today, and it's all about fashion in the metaverse, where there are people who think that you will pay for the privilege to put on virtual clothes of on yourself, a photograph oh, you of yourself. Oh, you will. And that that is the future of you fashion. Will. Because we do this now, right? Like, you know, our digital presence we curate our digital presence in a way that would shock probably people ourselves included if we were on this planet 20 years ago, sure. right? Like if 20 years ago you were like, there's going to be a period of time where you are going to spend a lot of time figuring out what your profile picture is for Facebook. You know, I just feel like it's just going to become ubiquitous because slowly but surely everybody's going to do it. Mm-hmm. And then we'll all forget that we thought it was weird. Because it'll just be normal, and then there'll be a whole generation of kids who didn't know any different, and then we're doomed. Great. Have you ever seen the movie Demolition Man? <laughs> no. With Sylvester Stallone oh, and Wesley yeah. Yeah, Snipes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was the What was the deal with that movie? Well, the deal with that movie is they're in the near future, okay. and basically there are people who live above ground, and they're living in a, a, a utopia where the only restaurant is a Taco Bell, and they wipe their behinds with three seashells to go to the bathroom instead of toilet paper. Then there are Three the pe- seashells? Thank you. Ouch. Then there's the yeah. people who live underground who have rejected Utopia and they eat rat burgers. I feel like... Are we? I don't know which I one are we. Know. Are we wiping our butts with seashells or eating rat burgers? Which is it? What I'm saying is, Bradley, 
definitely feel an emotional conundrum regarding the metaverse. Am I going to be eating at the... What would you rather do? Seashells for toilet paper or rat burgers? This is the choice that we are given. That's tough. That is tough. You're going to have a break to think about it, though. And no worries. When we come back, I won't make you answer that question because we have to move along. Thanks for bringing us down, Holly, okay, in the most delightful and entertaining way possible. We have Lord and Lady D-Bags, celebrities behaving badly. Find out who won that honor today when we return right here on My Talk 1071. Welcome back to the Colleen and Bradley show here on My Talk 1071. We're wrapping up the old year and getting ready for the new year. I'm Bradley Trainer. That's Holly Roberts and Brian along for the ride today. Thank you guys for showing up because, like, it's hard, you know, especially this week to remember what day it is, what time it is. So the fact that you are able to put on pants and uh, make your way into work today, despite all of the things, um, you know, trying to keep you at home like tv and food it takes everything you got really i appreciate Putting it non-pants in the world today takes everything you got you know what else it takes some d-bags celebrities behaving badly let's get right to them presenting lord and lady douchebag of the day and holly i would encourage you to go first today please okay i would like to know who your Z-bag is. Uh, my D-bag today is Vin Diesel. The Vin Diesel? Vin Diesel is my D-bag. Now, it's for something that he did last month that has only come to my attention but today because of the response to his D-bag behavior, which is quite delightful. So, Vin Diesel, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, stars of the Fast and Furious franchise, have not been shy about expressing their dislike about, with each other in the past and their beefs that happened on the set of various Fast and Furious films. Mm-hmm. So Vin Diesel last month decided to plead on Instagram to bring Dwayne The Rock Johnson back into the fold for the finale of the Fast and Furious franchise, which is Fast 10. And uh, his his post was fairly patronizing, slightly shady. Yeah, what was the point of all this? But tell us what the post was first. So the post is a picture of Vin Diesel and Dwayne Johnson, a still from a Fast and Furious related film. I've only seen the first one, going to be honest, like 20 years ago. Ooh. My little brother Dwayne. The time has come. The world awaits the finale of Fast 10. As you know, my children refer to you as Uncle Dwayne in my house. There's not a holiday that goes by that they and you don't send well wishes. But the time has come. Legacy awaits. I told you years ago that I was going to fulfill my promise to Pablo. That is Paul Walker, Mm -hmm. the late Paul Walker. I swore that we would reach and manifest the best fast in the finale that is 10. And I say this out of love, but you must show up. Do not leave this franchise idle. You have a very important role to play. Mm. Hobbs, that's uh, Dwayne's character, character, can't be played by no other. I hope you rise to the occasion and fulfill your destiny. So what this tells me is that there's no chance in heck that The Rock was going to do this and that he felt his only option was to blare it out on uh in you know like public in this way which just seems so ham-handed or ham-fisted yeah also the fact that vin diesel is like well my kids love you and i'm also going to bring up my late co-star yeah like to try to shame you seems like you're trying a little too hard and 
you know, if you really had a chance of getting The Rock to do this, wouldn't you just be doing this behind the scenes? Thank you. With, I don't know, money? And negotiation and lawyers? Because right? I feel like The Rock is like, uh, what are you going to pay me? Yeah, well, The Rock. I'm The Rock, and uh, you got to pay The Rock what he's worth. Yeah, well, The Rock smelled what Vin Diesel was cooking, and he was like, that's nasty. Because in a new interview, Dwayne Johnson is directly addressing this Instagram oh, post. Oh, okay. And he is calling it an example of manipulation. Mm. Yes, yeah, so he said that they actually talked in private earlier this year, back in June, and he's like, I told him directly, and privately, that I would not be returning to the franchise. And I was firm yet cordial with my words. And I said I'd be supportive and root for the franchise, but there is no chance I would return. To your point, Bradley, The Rock said, I privately spoke with my partners at Universal as well, all of whom were very supportive and they understood the problem. The Rock goes on to drag. What's, what's the problem? Well, they don't like each other. Okay. And there's a long history of beef between these two guys. So he was just like, I'm not interested and I'm, yeah. I'm not going to do it. Yeah. And then Dwayne Johnson directly calling out Vin Diesel for his douchey comment that I didn't like that he brought up his children in the post as well as Paul Walker's death. Yes. Leave them out of it. Yeah. Yeah. We spoke months ago. This just makes me love The Rock even more. Yes, absolutely. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right? And he's like, we talked about this months ago. It was settled. And then Vin Diesel, you have the nerve to bring this back up on social media and bring in the kids and bring in Paul Walker to this conversation. Rude. And the hubris to think that The Rock was going to go, okay, exactly. I'll do it. You changed my mind. Yeah. Oh, you know what? I'll succumb to public pressure courtesy of Vin Diesel, said no one ever. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So, Vin Diesel, ah, you're my D-bag of the day. And Dwayne The Rock Johnson, I'm glad that you spoke up and you spoke the truth and that we were reminded of this d-bag moment yeah the thing i i don't even have a particular horse in the do uh like super fan rock uh, world like the rock is the rock but just as an actor in hollywood he seems very professional in the way that he moves through you know like and he's obviously one of the most if not the highest paid actor in hollywood Right. Uh, yeah, has been one of them high um, on the list. Certainly. And so like you just it, it's it's good to see somebody who's professional and seems to be a good person is actually at the top versus, you know, how many other people at the top do you hear are like not like they project themselves to be in the public mm-hmm. arena. Right. Right. So just, right. He seems genuine. Yes. I don't know if that's true because in Hollywood, nothing is real and everyone smokes, but it smells like. The Rock is pretty genuine. Yeah, he's cooking up some genuine emotions. Okay. (sighs) However, people who aren't perhaps as genuine. Um, My D-bag today? Yeah, who's your D-bag today? Sam Asghari. Britney's man. I know a lot of you are like, what? Uh, But he's the man that makes Britney happy. He's the lion to her lioness. Really? That's what he says anyway. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I saw this headline over at People. Britney Spears' fiancé, Sam Asghari, reveals he auditioned for a role in And Just Like That. And what follows, Holly, is a story about how Sam Asghari revealed on Instagram that he was up for a role in Sex in the City's uh, latest incarnation. Um, But he didn't get the role. 
And here's the, this is what that I trombone. I know, like, <laughs> but still trying to get publicity out of a failed audition in the best way possible. He goes, this was on Instagram on Wednesday. Uh, he revealed that he had auditioned for the most recent episode of And Just Like That and didn't end up landing the role. Quote, man, I was looking forward to this role for the reboot of Sex in the City and Just Like That, the model and actor wrote, adding a second slide that said, Shout out to the dude that got it. It was a dope role. So it's just, what it just, is that? It just, oh. feel, it just feels like clunky, shameless self-promotion. Look, I'm all here for shameless self-promotion. Absolutely. But it's so clunky. Yeah. Like, dude, you don't have to tell people. Just like, you know what I mean? Like, what, what are you benefiting by? I mean, I know because he's now gotten an article in People and probably several other tabloids that oh, are yeah. like, did you know he auditioned for the role in Sex in the City? And I see what you're doing, Sam, but it just comes across like super clunky donkey and also just makes you look like kind of a sad trombone. It's like very much like a sad trombone. I was going to be up for this role. And then Congrats I. <laughs> to the guy who got it. I didn't <laughs> pass the audition. Oh, Sam is trying, Bradley. I mean, he is in the best way. He r- reminds me of a lot of people who are trying really hard. <laughs> yeah, because Sam Asgari is trying to make Sam Asgari happen. Yeah. He's not naive enough to think that this is an uh, this his relationship with Britney Spears is an opportunity to be seized in the public eye. Because we wouldn't know who Sam Asghari was if not for his relationship with Britney Spears. And he's trying to fight against that. Yeah. He wants to be known as being an actor, a movie star in his own right. But clearly the fascination and the public conversation wouldn't be happening around him if not oh, for his being the fiance and, of Britney. And, and also, that's just like, that's just the world. So, like, own it. Yeah. Just be like, I'm grateful. If that's what allows me to, but but I understand that some some individuals' egos can't accept that's what that which is before them. Like he just, it it, it is clear to me that it rubs him the wrong way that people uh, probably mention Britney far more around him than they do himself. Like not, hey Sam, what are you up to today? It's like, hey Sam, what's going on with Britney? Mm-hmm. And like you understand what that must feel like day in and day out. But at the same time, at some point, don't you think, well, you're incredibly fortunate and privileged to have this entry into Hollywood in a way that most actors don't. And while, of course, you are talented, talent is not a question for most of the people trying to make it big in Hollywood. Talent is very easy to come by, I would imagine, Um, you know, in terms of being a working actor. Right. A lot of talented people can be working actors in Hollywood. It's just the opportunities that exist. And I bet there are a lot of other working actors in Hollywood who are like, Hey, Sam, could you stop acting like you're bummed out about some things and just maybe be a little more grateful for all the things you do have that, oh, by the way, I would love to have? Yeah, you know, it's it, it, it and also the fact that he's bringing up, oh, I almost got this role in and just like that. But shout out to the guy who got the role. Well, that story is that is the story also, of Hollywood, right? Also he tags the guy. So to me, that's like even so he tags the guy that got the role that he didn't get. And he says, and he does this thing where he's trying to like, you know, like compliment him. Also, he's doing that thing where he's giving a free plug for the show. And just like that, tagging the show. And I'm sure they're all like, and the guy's like, thanks dude. You basically just said you really wished you had gotten the role. 
and not me, but also that I'm great. Like, I, I don't know. It's just weird. It's just weird. It's oh, awkward. I watch the next this. time <laughs> they see each other at like a happy hour, you know, he'll be like, I don't know. I just feel like it's going to be awkward. Yes. Weird, petty movement. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. And also, I watched this episode of In Just Like That this morning. The role is really small. It's really small. Yeah. And it's fine that you so didn't get it. So I think your it. point is maybe better to just like let it go. Well, because that's the process in Hollywood. It's that when you're a working actor and you're auditioning for things, most more often than not, you're not getting the roles because it is mathematically impossible to land all of the roles that you auditioned for. You yeah. are a workaday actor, Sam Asgari, and you're going out on the And I bet he uh, gets into more audition rooms than people with the same exact... I'm Bradley Trainer, And I'm Don McClain. We have a podcast called Blinded by the Item. A blind item is gossip about a celebrity with their name left out. It's a guessing game, and you can play along. The item might be like, this A-list star carries a Birkin bag worth more than the average person's house to the gym to work out. Pretty sure that's J-Lo. And P.S. The person behind all of this is Chris Jenner, LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday so the fun never ends. Blinded by the Item. Listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel. That qualifications. And again, it's because of Brittany. And I would be thanking my lucky stars if I were him. Exactly. Yeah. So anyway, uh, I just wanted to let you know I auditioned for a role that I didn't get. Mm-hmm. Really? And, no. No. I was just trying to think of something dumb that I could have pretended I auditioned for. Was it I a didn't. dope role? It was dope. Super yeah. sick, It was dude. super sick. Uh-huh. You auditioned for the <laughs> Ann Miller Review and you almost got oh, the role. <laughs> if only. All right. When I, when I come back, I don't okay. know what you guys are up to, but when I come back, I can leave. I'm going to be doing some things. No, when we come back... Holly, um, we need to talk about Catherine McPhee. You brought her up yesterday. No. Well, yeah, you brought her up yesterday via her husband who had some things to say about her body. Yeah. She has responded and you're going to respond to her response to his comment when we come back right here on My Talk 107.1. Welcome back to the Colleen and Bradley show. Uh, We're just wrapping up the second hour of the show. We've still got a whole hour ahead of us. And then, of course, Lori and Julia are up. I think today, Lori, I'm assuming, and Brittany, perhaps? Perhaps. Perhaps. Yeah. Some combination therein, uh, thereof. Uh, I'm Bradley Trainer. That's Holly Roberts along with Brian today. Colleen will be back next week, as will we all, to ring in the new year. Now, though, let us talk about an update regarding a post about the actress, singer, Fabulous person, Catherine McPhee. You talked about her yesterday, Holly. I think you made her husband a D-bag. Yeah, David Foster is Catherine McPhee's husband. And yesterday he was featured as Lord D-bag of the day because of a post that he put on Instagram. Now, it's not the photograph that made him the D-bag of the day. It's the comment that went along with the photograph. So the photograph that David Foster put up on his Instagram was a picture of Catherine McPhee in a swimsuit. Captioned with the following. What baby? Yeah. With an exclamation point. It was supposed to be more like, what baby? She she had a baby? Look at that body. You She didn't have a baby. What? Baby? Really? Yeah. Except he put an exclamation point yeah. where a question mark probably should have been. But his point was, like, look at her body. You can't tell she just had a baby. Well, look at her post-baby body. Which is a conversation we've all been having about 
maybe we don't need to put pressure on women who've just had a baby to look a certain way. Exactly. That Fair has point. been yeah a cultural So that was your point yesterday. Yes. Well, today you're bringing up, because I think Catherine McPhee has responded. She's responded. And? And she's calling us haters, Bradley. What? Ooh. She's calling us and anyone who criticized David Foster's comment haters. Oh, so she's attacking us. So she's attacking us. For having an opinion. Yes. Okay, all right. Well, break it down. Tell me what's going on. So Catherine McPhee over on her Instagram account posted a photograph of herself Okay. in a swimsuit. Yeah. And it's a lengthy post. Okay. And she started started it by saying, I'm sorry, but we are not sorry. And for all of you who can't deal with it, maybe this helps. And she goes on to talk about her disordered eating that she has uh, been dealing with through much of her life. Okay. So she's basically yelling at the people who had a problem with the sort of misogynistic or mansplainy tone of her husband's post. Yes. So people were criticizing her husband. Yes. They weren't criticizing her. No, nothing to do with that photograph. The criticism was not in the photograph. Delightful. Here's a photograph of Catherine McPhee in a bikini. Okay, there it is. The criticism was with the misogynistic comments that went along with it from her husband being like, oh, look at your post baby body. What? It's also an interesting response to to bring in a story about something that is not related to the criticism. Right. So like the story of like uh, it sounds like she's trying to endear us to uh, a trauma in her life as if it's a way to explain why her husband left an assy comment that people found objectionable yes which is a weird thing because it's it's not only the two things are not related and it also seems like why are you like overly defending him when the criticism was not in any way directed at you i don't know it's just a weird thing it it, will it's very gaslighting it is absolutely like now i'm supposed to feel bad that i had an opinion about david foster's um comment because she had disordered eating it doesn't add up while i find that to be like a fascinating story and please tell me more and i would love to hear an interview where she discusses this and there's nothing about feeling i mean there's nothing wrong with feeling good about your body it's it's the comment about your body that people had a problem with well exactly that's why this is so puzzling and fascinating and that Catherine mcphee is doubling down in her latest post all about this and she said that folks I'm going to categorize myself and you and all of this. We're being overly sensitive about the comment. And those are her words. Mm. And she said for people to get a life and that haters are going to hate. But nobody, but like nobody was hating you, Catherine McPhee. Literally yeah. nobody was. And in fact, yeah. I would say that the and discourse. I don't think your husband probably needs to be defended. But no, you he know, doesn't. that's a separate thing. Thank you. And actually the discourse about the photograph yesterday, why the argument would be that people were coming in defense of you being like, you just exist. Please yeah, like, they, exist as a human being. You to just be, you know, a woman who, I mean, if he had said sexy lady, 
I think nobody would have commented. They, some people, okay, to be fair, there's always going to be haters on the internet. So, like, you post a picture of your dog and people are going to be like, how dare you have a dog? Mm-hmm. I know this because I've experienced it. Yeah. But there's always going to be people who are going to complain no matter what you post. Um, but if he had just, like, posted a photo of her in a bathing suit and was like, that's my sexy lady, it wouldn't have been the same criticism. No. This criticism, for the most part, and again, there might have been other people who were just like, you know, but the majority of the criticism, as evidenced by the articles that were published uh, detailing it, was just that it seemed kind of smarmy and misogynistic. Yeah. Sexist. Yes. Whatever you want to call it. Yes. All of the above. And that's where the criticism was. So I'm very curious about her defense of this behavior and basically shaming us for having an opinion of something that her husband posted in the public space. Yeah. And in fact, we're here for you, Catherine McPhee. Yeah. No, nobody was ever. Nobody but was, also, uh, yeah. But ahead. I also no. I also understand if you're just joining us, we're talking about this Catherine McPhee's uh, response to people kind of being, you know, grossed out by her husband's comment of her post baby body. And there is, there has been a very long and um, thoughtful discussion, maybe not, as thoughtful always, but about like the post baby body thing. Yeah. Well, and that was a thing that was perpetuated by tabloids in the mid two thousands being like, here are pictures of celebrities. They gave birth two weeks ago and now they're back in bikinis. That was a meme that was uh, rife in pop culture, maybe about 10 or 15 years ago. And we have since had conversations about that. Why perhaps that's not the best thing to be talking about. We've evolved in the conversation And then one of the things that makes me sad about this, Bradley, too, is we read a blind item concerning this. And then it makes me think Catherine McPhee's response just adds validity to the blind blind item. item, Remind me. Can we roll that beautiful bean footage? Oh, yeah. This is a blind item concerning this story. NT Lawyer says, I'm not sure why anyone is shocked that David Foster is a misogynist. Everyone around him, including his wife, Catherine McPhee, knows this. And Catherine McPhee also knows this. If she hasn't, hadn't lost the baby weight, she would now be single. Implying that he really is gross. He is really and gross. And we had reason to be uh, suspicious of his post. Yes. And now she's making us feel bad for that. But now we feel bad for her because she feels the need to do that and to defend him publicly and that perhaps that defending of him publicly is to secure the relationship so that she can stay married to him. It's all gross. Hey, what are you guys doing for new year's? We're going to talk about new year's fun, wherever it is. Take it off my pants. Oh, I, okay. I guess we're going (laughs) to learn more about that when we come back right here on my talk. One Oh seven one.